0: You are listening to the Star Lore's podcast. <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing.
1: I met a traveller from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lips Sneer of cold command Tell that its sculptor Well those passions red, which yet survive Stamped on these Lifeless things The hand that mocked them And the heart that fed on the pedestal these words appear My name is Azamandius, King of Kings Look on my works ye mighty and despair Nothing beside remains Round the decay of that colossal wreck Boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away.
2: Little remains of the ancient and proud civilization that had been celebrated for its strength and survival above all. Like the infinite empire before them, All that remained of the Sith were statues, cracked and buried, tombs in vast necropolises, and forbidden texts, hidden and torn, and their species almost extinct, save for the rare exception or mutated slave. Their civilization now lies in ruin, and their teachings have been taken underground to occult practices, shunned and driven into the underground. But it was not always so. The Sith had once dominated the galaxy, bringing it to its knees and built monuments of conquest and triumph before their fall into obscurity. The
0: First Schism Zendor was a human male and a scion of the Kashmir dynasty. Long after the Jedi made contact with the Republic and left Tython for Ossus, Zendor would find himself exiled from his people, Force-sensitives who banished him for his use of the dark side. Zendor found himself among the ranks of the Jedi soon after and became a knight. The Jedi of this time had begun to practice a more rigid discipline and distance themselves from the balance of Tython. Zendor chafed at the increasing close, close-mindedness of the Order towards and teachings. At the same time, he fell in love with another refugee, Arden Lin, whose people had been left as nomads after the destruction of their homeworld because of a war instigated by the Jedi Council. Arden was a secret follower of Palawa, a religious tradition from her people that invented the martial art Terrace Cassi as a means to fight back against the Jedi. Arden taught Zendor the martial art and, after being denied permission by the Council to open an academy dedicated to the teaching of Bogan and the darker aspects of the Force, Zendor finally broke with the Council and discreetly open an academy on the planet of Leto, to pass on these teachings anyway. Many alternative force religions found interest in the school, increasingly being marginalized by the growing influence of orthodox Jedi philosophy, or their own exiles found solace in the darker teachings Zendor proffered. Realizing that the increasingly dogmatic Jedi may one day come to censor the growing academy, Zendor militarized the legions of Leto, and the, they swore they would defend their rights to learn all aspects of the Force without Jedi interference. In a preemptive strike, Zendor attacked Ossus and the Jedi. He also appealed to the Republic, accusing the Jedi of trying to subvert their democracy. The ploy failed, however, and the Republic deemed Zendor a warlord. The Jedi, for their part, summoned a Grand Master, Audrista Pina, known as the Green Blade, renowned for his skill as a warrior to fight against the legions. Master Pina warred across many worlds, defeating Zendor's forces in battle after battle. Pina finally tracked Zendor down on the planet Columnus and engaged him in combat. Zendor had once admired the Jedi General, believing him to be a free thinker like himself and willing to explore the greater mysteries of the Force. However, for Audrista, Pina's part... He was far too rigid in the ways of the Jedi and believed them and their doctrines to be a foundational pillar of civilization. Master Pina's army proved effective due to their dedication to Order and fought not as individuals but as a collective, slaying many including famed legionnaires and Jedi renunciants Tan Bohai and Sethul Asiaj. As for the legions, they chose to fight as individuals. The idea of collectivism was an affront to their core philosophies of independence and individual freedom. Finally, Master Pina, the Green Blade, came face to face with Zendor himself and struck him down. Master Pina, however, continued his war even after the death of the legions of Letao's leaders and hunted down his lover, Arden Lin, who had become the de facto leader of the legions. But first, Pina traveled to Letao to begin exterminating the remainder of Zendor's broken forces. While many perished in the attack, some managed to escape and flee into the dark corners of the galaxy, taking their teachings with them. To some, this vengeful crusade may appear as justification for the Legion's very existence, retroactively justifying and proving their concerns over the Jedi through their punitive quest to utterly destroy the Legions. Pina located and attacked Arden, who shielded herself with a protective talisman Zendor had given her from his homeworld. As Pina struck at her, his blade shattered, his assassination had failed, and he died when fragments of his own blade pierced him. But he was not immediately killed, and with the last of his energy, Jedi Master Pina used a Force technique and put Arden into a deep hibernative slit state, rendering her unconscious, but alive for thousands of years.
2: Seems too easy to blame everything on Zendor and the dark side. Maybe, maybe we, maybe the Jedi were partly to blame too. Danzigoro Potts.
0: The Second Schism.
2: Three years before the time that would become known as the One Hundred Year Darkness. A group of Jedi, who would later be deemed Dark Jedi, began experimenting with the Force through alchemical means, and discovering the ability to bend life itself to their will. They were able to mutate creatures and bind them as servants. Their motives were not singularly that of control, as they also began to seek to extend life and regenerate dead worlds. The Jedi Council had grown suspicious of these talents, feeling that they could lead to abuse and saw them as an abomination, and issued a ban on their alchemical and life-altering pursuits. Jedi Master Ajuntapal Paul was one such practitioner, censured by the Council, along with other notable former Jedi, Jojan, Remulus Drapa, and Carnes Muir, among many others. The cadre of Dark Jedi believed that they could pursue eternal life and help the galaxy with their experimental practices, They resented the Council for banning their practice. These Force users were exiled and their teachings forbidden, however, continuing to practice their life manipulation techniques. These fallen Jedi were able to craft an army of abominable creatures, which they used to attack the rest of the Order. Thus began the period known as the 100-Year Darkness. Creatures of untold nightmares were spawned by these Dark Jedi alchemists such as the great and terrible Leviathan, as well as an assortment of gnarled and mutated creatures later come to be known as Sithspawn. Despite their abilities to create an army, the Dark Jedi could not sustain their numbers and were killed or finally forced to surrender at the last stand on the planet Korobos. Taken into custody, the Republic sought their executions for the devastation they had wrought across the galaxy, using their biological abominations But the Jedi were not so keen, opting to exile the remaining Dark Jedi into the void of the galaxy in the hopes, in their time of isolation and reverie, they might see the error of their ways. Instead, the Twelve Banished Jedi found an uncharted world, an arid planet inhabited by a species calling themselves the Sith. Landing on the planet Korriban, using guile, trickery, and the awe the Sith had of their force powers, the Dark Jedi exiles quickly subverted the old king Hakagram Grosh and anointed themselves the lords of the Sith. Pal, the most powerful, became the first Sith Lord, raising himself to a deity in the eyes of the Sith, whom the Dark Jedi turned into their servants and warriors, bounding the Sith Empire, and conquering other close worlds such as Zyost building their strength in secret and away from Republic space. A small subfaction of exiles, however, against Paul's orders, went back to Republic space with an army of Sith warriors too impatient to bide their time for vengeance, and ultimately failing and serving to alert the Republic and the Jedi that the exiles were somewhere in deep space and were building their strength. For his part, Remulus Drapa, formerly the leader of the Dark Jedi fleet during the Battle of Korobos, led the premature attack on the Republic. He pursued a Jedi patrol, and the two forces had eventually become stranded on a primitive planet known as Kesh, where his descendants would become known as the Lost Tribe of the Sith. Ajinta Paul, on the other hand, continued to rule for many decades, building the strength of the Empire, and biding their time when the Sith would have their revenge eventually succumbing to age and being buried in a massive temple, tomb complex on Korriban, though his spirit endured, using dark alchemical methods to bind his spirit to the tangible world. Despite his own ego, Paul was hesitant to claim the title of Sithari, chosen one of the Sith, and said prophesying that one day in the future, the Sithari would reveal themselves. The old Sith Empire would continue to grow in secret for 2,000 years, And ascend to a golden age conquering over 120 worlds before facing the republic and the jedi again sorza sin another of the exiles had taken to documenting these early years and formation of the sith empire she had written extensively about the sith species culture history along with philosophical teachings and as the suspected author of the sith code she envied ajuntapal as leader she and other members of the Sith Council still ruled and had substantial influence over of their own. She was a talented alchemist and helped to craft artifacts such as the Muir Talisman for Feli exile Karnes Muir, which would eventually haunt the galaxy with the Rakul Plague many millennia after their deaths. She also discovered the ability of the Dark Jedi to interbreed with the Sith and further propagate themselves.
0: sponsors. In centuries past, when the galaxy was full of wonder and traveling was reserved for only the most daring or the most stupid, a new form of entertainment was born, the cabinet of curiosities. Here one could encounter artifacts from distant planets. Unique specimens of art, natural or unnatural mysteries and wonders. Here at Kandar's Cabinet of Curiosities, one could encounter artifacts as big as a starship or as small as a lightsaber crystal. Here, you can find items of even forbidden provenance, such as the Amulet of Karnas Muir or the Holocron of Zozaxon, the diary of Sorgius Sin, or the Gauntlet of Crassus. Come visit the Candor's Cabinet of Curiosities today.
2: Welcome aboard the Millennial Falcon. This is Christian. And
0: this is Jordan.
2: We are currently orbiting the dead world of Korriban. Um, I thought it was a suitable location for us to kind of. I think we've been home. here before. We have, uh, and we're here again <laughs> because we're talking about it again. I uh, really like uh, the dry air. <laughs> it helps. Uh, <laughs> Great for your uh, lungs. Yeah, it helps my lungs. All the sand. <laughs> um. Yeah, we're just here to discuss. Um. The lead up to and the beginnings of this first Sith Empire, which isn't actually fair to call it the first Sith Empire. We're going to say Sith a lot in this episode. I'm already just pre-warning you. Sith, 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 Sith. Yeah. Because the Sith Empire had existed prior, but was more of a limited force. And they had been the ones that were encountered by the Rakata, where they had like their uniting king, Addis and that whole unifying myth which we talked about in an earlier episode. Well, this was a
0: the I think we need to be make a distinction.
2: That was the, the Sith, Sith, Sith species. species.
0: Yes. We're talking now the more the
2: Sith. Yeah, we're, so this is more we're getting more into the territory of the Sith this, that uh, we know and understand.
0: So this is a more of a precursor to the Sith because these are still just dark Jedi technically.
2: So this is when the, like what we just talked about is when they become the first dark lords of the Sith as we know them. And that includes like the first Dark Lord of the Sith was Ajuntapal. Paul, right? Yes. Who was a human, exiled yes. Dark Jedi, and the whole the why they call themselves Sith is actually supposed to be the Lords of the Sith. They rule over the Sith. That's people. right. Yeah,
0: I'm actually going to touch on this also in the Marco Ragnos
2: episode, but which yeah. for spoilers is what we're <laughs> heading yeah, to huh? next. Oh yeah, we're gonna do one on that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So we're just building the lead up to this point um, to understand. We again, we did touch on the schisms before in passing when we were talking about the Sith philosophy, just kind of as a foundation, like one paragraph. Or if you listen to our early episodes on the Sith species and the Sith, yeah, well, religious episode, which is like one of the very first episodes we did.
0: But this does like this is a good history because it, yeah, we're delving deeper into the character. We
2: cover the gap
0: of like why are they called the Dark Lords of the Sith or. What's the difference between a Sith and a dark Jedi, right? Yeah,
2: and what even are their names? Yeah. Um, but before we get there, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about the first great schism. Sure. Um, so shortly after the Jedi, I, I want to flesh this out, one, for our listeners who maybe not, are not super familiar with the material and the content, because I know for myself as a fan, I always didn't understand what stories fit in where on the timeline and what when you talk about the Sith, um, not so much the confusion of the species and, and the Dark Lords, but like when you get names like Agenta Paul and Carnus Muir, and you hear these names later on um, that we're going to talk about in the next Mark episode, Aragnos. Mark Aragnos and those big names, I could never place them on a timeline. Who came first? Who was yeah. whose master? Who came after? Um, so, this is why we're kind of doing the break, the historical breakdown so we can give a name and where they fall on the timeline progressively. Yeah uh so it's easier to track yeah. so starting before that we'll talk about the first great schism before the sith zendor yes zendor um <laughs> yeah he's sort of
0: he's kind of the patron saint or the precursor to the sith yes uh, but he is he, not a sith
2: himself no
0: he, he is sort of the first like ideologically
2: dark jedi and split yeah fatally split from yeah. the jedi council but,
0: So it's also important to remember he's not technically like in his ideological uh, philosophy. He's not technically like the Rakata uh, uh, who are just, they were also dark side users. He does have a philosophy. It's a Jedi philosophy. But it's a dark Jedi philosophy. (laughs) Which, again, if you go back
2: to Tython where the Jedi were, they embraced both sides of the force, the dark and the light. But, but they
0: re- later rejected the dark side. Yes, of it.
2: as the Jedi became more um, yeah. orthodox, let's say, in their worldview and more hardened against darkness. And I, part of that is probably because they moved from Tython. Yeah. Because, again, if you recall in our earlier episodes, Tython itself, when the Force was out of balance, became more destructive and lethal, like earthquakes, lightning storms. They couldn't, they had to keep both in balance. Yeah. Whereas so, when so- they moved to Ossus, um, that no longer became such a restriction philosophically
0: yeah yeah and and so like it is important to like note that like zendor is a jedi he's a dark dark jedi versus a his ideological lineage leads back to the jedi or the jedi uh, yeah however you want to say yeah he thought that Uh, the jedi should still
2: keep the door open to bogan right again if you recall bogan is the dark side yeah in the this is gonna get confused yeah this is why we have to talk about this because Um, just reading it, like you kind of forget like who is where and what their yeah. ideological links are. But the Jedi used to, the Jedi yeah. embrace both sides, whereas now the Jedi are embracing only the light. They're forbidding dark side, and Zendor thinks that that gate, that door, should still be open. Right. Hence the term dark Jedi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. It's also interesting to note how they're. It's not such a black and white. Zendor is a bad guy, yeah. and the Jedi Council are good guys. They've made that the first Great Schism very gray. Yeah, they didn't quite present him totally as evil as a villain. Yeah, yeah. he just wanted to keep that ideological door open. The Jedi were, were more charismatic and dogmatic, I should say, yeah. in restricting their beliefs. In, in some ways, Zendor was like the conservative, right? Because he was like, yeah, because technically he's conserving the he's Jedi's pre- philosophy. Yeah, he's trying to preserve. So maybe ancient... orthodox isn't right. Maybe. Yeah, Zendor it, is the orthodox. It was believer. like the
0: new, like really the new, like light side only was a yeah. so more of a newer thing, you know.
2: Yeah, and it should also be noted as a Jedi became more light side orientated. Um, if you recall another episode where we talk about other Force religions and even Zendor's background, the uh, the people he hailed from uh, were uh, had a, their own Force based religion that wasn't Jedi or Sith. It was some like unique, yeah thing for their their people uh same with the followers of palawa who became his lover they were also unique people and because of the jedi's increasingly restrictive dogma they would maybe not directly go to war with but start to like no 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 your your religion's wrong yeah this is the true and only way you can practice force use
0: and i i kind of want to defend the jedi a little bit um, because I know we we sometimes uh, always don't, attack yeah. them. <laughs> well, it's more just playing the devil's advocate, right? Because yeah. they're always presented as like the good, the good guys. Yeah, so it's e- it's easier to
2: take the other
0: but, side. But yeah, but let's not play the devil's advocate. I think like in the universe, the dark side is like a very potent and dangerous um element, and it like put in the wrong hands and with the wrong people, it like it or can lack be, of discipline. That's or right. Yeah
2: of faith that allows for really destructive tendencies yeah
0: yeah it, so it I, I, probably like if you try to like step into the shoes of the people at the time it's like you're you're having like you're con the, the the problems are probably always coming from more the of the dark <laughs> side than the light side so everyone just starts leaning more into like no we need to be like lean more to the light side to the point where they believe that to bring balance to the force is to
2: practice
0: exclusively the, the light, light side of the force and that is what will bring
2: balance rather than like practicing both the duality yeah. piece yeah and we talked about that too early on in, in one of our religion episodes. Yeah. Um, yes, I agree with you. But also, <laughs> you start to go into this territory, which we see happen with the First Great Schism, where they become so such purists that they like actually start exterminating. Yeah. And this has happened also in the future in the Knights of the Old Republic when we talked about um, the what were they called the Cabal or the Jedi group within the the council who killed their Padawans. I forget. They had a name. I don't remember. Sorry. But anyways, they had, they, they killed their own Padawans to prevent a darker future. Right. Um, one of them was allegedly going to, you know, fall to the dark side and usher in this age of darkness. Right. So when they get into the territory or in this case where the green blade, uh, yeah, that master has a hard name to say. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Pina or something. Yeah. Master Pina for short. He um he essentially does that. He goes on like, okay, we're gonna exterminate all the legions of Leto, a- yeah. and it becomes this almost like who were they? Were the legions right for you know self defense? Yeah, preemptive self defense. Um, yeah. I I also like it becomes want- a self fulfilling prophecy. Essentially. Yeah,
0: I also wonder about that too. Like, if you're on like if you're a Jedi who practices the light side and you're on like a practically genocidal mission. Yeah. Is that like not like... Antithetical.
2: Yeah. Light side practice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, and I mean, it could be a whole question of like, yeah, are you actually practicing what you preach? Is yeah. that maybe a chink in the armor of the person who's claiming to have the moral authority, but using the same dirty tactics as their enemy kind of thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. Are, it's, it's almost a like pure, a no you, true stuck fallacy, but Legitimate
0: is it just like uh like a um truly like utilitarian like the ends justify the means yeah that kind of seems like what it, what it's saying there but it seems to me that seems like someone who practices typically who would practice the dark, dark side, side what they would do yeah uh, that would be it. they they would much more easily justify those means they're action yeah. well,
2: by any means necessary they should take power or assert yeah. their own survival or whatever else yeah yeah, and it could be that, like I said, maybe Master Pino was wrong, yeah, uh, in how he prosecuted. Maybe they weren't wrong for like limiting the teachings, but how they went about dealing with the teachings was wrong, right? Yeah, um, there's there's wiggle room there. Um, the lover of the um, Zendor. Yeah, I forgot her name there. Um, it was. Uh... Arden Lynn, um, one, we don't know a lot about what happened to her people. It's kind of vague in the lore. Um, it just says whatever happened to her people was the direct result of the Jedi Council. So again, like did they prosecute them directly? Did they intervene in some other way that caused a negative outcome? Um, but by any extent, her and her people um, even created the martial art, Teris Cassie as a self-defense mechanism against force users and against the Jedi because of their own actions. Um, But anyways, Arden Lynn, we need to keep her name in the back of our minds for a while because she will pop up again in the future. If you recall through the episode, she is in this kind of like vegetative state, but I'm not going to spoil it. There's going to be a few names that will pop up again that we go through from this episode, which is why I thought we should mention them directly because their influence is still going to be felt millennia later. Um, so she's one of them. But anyways, that kind of concludes the first great schism. So it's a more of a neutral, well, gray, who is right, who is wrong. Um, actually, before we move on from that, I do want to talk about the emphasis on individualism versus collectivism or communalism. The Jedi... Under Master Pina are a lot more um, collectivists in their thinking and their approach and how they fight, um, which is related to their belief system of like a united light side of the force and a. If you listen back to our religious episodes, um, that is that disintegration of self for the collective, the collective whole, um, putting aside your own wants, desires, needs for the good of, in their case, in their thought process, the galaxy. Whereas Zendor believed that it was about individuality, um, which will eventually bleed into the Sith pursuits. But Zendor has a a less dark approach to individuality. More he he and his followers just wanted to be free to practice dark side techniques. Um, So there's an interesting dynamic there where like, it's essentially fundamentally a question of individuality versus communalism, which depending on whoever's listening, their own Hmm. beliefs of how far one side should be subverted towards the others. Right. Yeah. How much giving is too much giving of the self, right. To the point that you become, you cease to exist as an individual or how much, how selfish can you be before it's wrong? Right.
0: Yeah.
2: Which again, depending on, a listener's moral philosophy might tell them something different
0: yeah i mean i i kind of like one thing i've always disliked about star wars is the framing of like the dark side is individualistic and the light side is like uh um more i don't know collectivist or like it's about it's only about serving the good of the community right And, and the individual is like a afterthought Um, I've never really liked that
2: framing I think
0: that's a you know that's
2: kind of but is it only because of the automatic connotations of light and dark side is it because you're kind of stuck that being that dark is implying evil or wrong yeah yeah from a gray perspective embracing both sides to some extent yeah is actually the answer you're looking for
0: that's what i think i think like yeah <laughs>
2: yeah the the jedi year yeah something but that then that's more you more putting your balanced. connotation yeah. of dark implying yeah. evil or Sith. no but I, th-
0: I think i think there's like an implication well
2: implica- there is i mean throughout, admittedly like, like we're voice. talking from the foundational texts of like again george boot or george lucas yeah, trying to yeah, use yeah, that I'm buddhist saying. teaching yeah. right so from that perspective obviously yes individuality will be associated with something you should you should abstain from and get rid of yeah. and purge and become one with the universe one with the force one with the community
0: yeah and, and well like and the jedi are like always supposed to be sort of these like self-sacrificial agents who give themselves up for um the greater the good, greater good right yeah. like that their but, own livelihoods are like to be second and um most of the time that that works and that like makes sense (laughs) but it doesn't all the time right and um yeah i don't know i just i i don't love the framing um and even but even like with like the sith later on like the rule of two and stuff like that it's like it is very hyper individualistic right like there can only be one well,
2: too, but really the focus is on you as the one master. Yeah, that's yeah. that's
0: what I'm saying. Is yeah, it, it's like, and you're always so always supposed to like surplant your master, and it's like very self focused, right? Yeah. But in a bad way, like if, if you, in a hyper extreme
2: way. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you know, it's never like self focused. Like I'm gonna improve myself yeah. and make myself well. Better. So, so again,
2: like that's why I think Zendor's story, specifically in the first Great Schism, altogether yeah is is more gray right like was Zendor necessarily wrong i don't think so did they just want to be free to practice their faith yes essentially um so i think it does challenge that like dark side equals bad mentality yeah or individualism well and by extension individualism yeah um and again you have this push and pull between different authors right you have like george lucas's vision and his foundational texts and beliefs and then you have other authors that embrace more of that both sides and the force of balance is light and dark balance right and we we had this whole discussion when we talked about the religious religions episode if you think back right because episode four um if you want to go back and listen to that but essentially that yeah you have different authors with different kind of perspectives trying to push their version of the force or how what what does light and balance actually mean or look like it's true but anyways moving on Now we're talking about the Sith. (laughs) (laughs) So a few years later, you know, um, the legions of Leto are kind of put down. There is no association with the Sith whatsoever with this first schism. Yeah, There's only the Jedi and the dark Jedi.
0: Yeah, but they Um, are the precursor to the coming Sith.
2: Yes. Um, And again, it kind of goes back to what we're saying with that, like individualism and wanting to practice using the dark side. Yeah. So, um, years after, we have the rise of Ajunta Paul, who is a powerful force user, and these this group of Dark Jedi, um, are more concerned with manipulating life. Yeah. And it's not necessarily for a selfish aim. And in some ways, some and some of them wanted to do it for the betterment of others. They're like, "Hey, we can resurrect dead worlds with this ability. We can extend natural lives. We can, you know." Um, repopulate worlds and everything
0: there's a, yeah there's also even like uh, <laughs> dare I say like a scientific aspect to yeah. like a lot of the dark it's side. almost like the forbidden
2: science of like yeah yeah science is good yeah they just want to push but you're not allowed to do these things see, see what's possible right yeah exactly like that, that's sort of and the pursuit of knowledge yeah that's that, right yeah well how far can we take this what can yeah. we do with this and could it could it be used for good effect right yeah like can we use this forbidden science to actually the betterment of the galaxy? Yeah. Uh, but the Jedi Council now even more set in their ways of the lights than yeah. the teachings. They see it as an affront. Life should be left alone. Um, like like you said, it's a it's a forbidden science now. Yeah. Um. So again, Agena Paul and his followers uh, resent their censure and go ahead and practice their, their alchemical teachings anyways. And there is a question of what are the Jedi supposed to do? This, hap- this goes for both schisms. If you issue an edict and someone just ignores you, yeah. do you just let it slide? Do you... Well, go you got to f-
0: enforce it. Otherwise, it's worthless. Right.
2: <laughs> so th- there are questions of like what that looks like. Yeah. Do they need to pull their lightsabers at that point? Do they, is there some intermediary... Approach they can do that isn't necessarily okay, it's our way or violence, yeah right, which again doesn't really sound like a jedi mm-hmm. teaching, but
0: yeah, well, I think ultimately, while well, there was like a war,
2: um, and then they were like exiled, yeah, so uh, it did lead to violence, yeah, despite <laughs> what we may think, if there were alternatives, and there may not have been, maybe Jordan Paul is like, I'm doing this no matter what you say, yeah, um, and his followers and he mutated creatures, enslaved creatures, did everything, made like really horrific, abominable, abominable creatures. Yeah. Which were like affronts to life itself and dangerous creatures. The Leviathan was able to like essentially soul suck people. Um, yeah. So then there's questions like, it's almost like a Jurassic Park, which I read the books for Jurassic Park. They're very different than the movies. Yeah. Uh, I really I like read Robert Crichton. Yeah. um and he he likes to delve into the whole questions of like how much science is to you know right when yeah. should we stop and that that those themes do come through the movies but yeah, they're a lot heavier ethics. yeah they're a lot heavier in the book yeah um and that very much pops up here is they create these monsters and they plague the galaxy with them essentially and um you know eventually they lose they're just outnumbered there's not enough of them to keep up production. And there's not enough of them to one-on-one fight all the all the Jedi. Yeah. Um. And the Republic wants vengeance. They they just want to execute these dark Jedi and be done with it. Yeah. Whereas, I guess in keeping with Jedi practice, the Jedi offer them a second chance, and are like, "No, we're just gonna exile them. Yeah. Have them think on their sins, and hopefully they come back redeemed." <laughs> Little did they know, <laughs> they created their most. Uh, long-term enemies yep um so this is where we encounter now the sith yeah so these dark jedi get exiled they find korban they find the sith species yeah and the empires that they had already erected um again listening to the sith episode that we talked about back then you hear the story of king Adas and how he united the sith tribes and kind of brought about those initial so that was really truly technically the first sith empire
0: and I believe even at this time, some of the Sith species had lived like scattered
2: throughout the galaxy. Only, so they were they were pretty insular. Um, the only exceptions are a couple that were picked up by the, uh,
0: by like the Thoyor. The Tholians, yeah. yeah, and those like just that's what I'm they, saying. They, that yeah. like it's not like they were completely unknown, but they were pretty rare. Yeah.
2: in the in the galaxy at large, and the Sith Kingdom and Empire. As it was, was unknown to the Republic. It was, yeah, it was dark towards the galactic community as a whole. They had their own little kind of cutout of the of the galaxy, right? Um, and then also, you did have them interact with the, um, Stargates. Oh yeah, Eternal um, Empire. No, I, Infinite. The Rakata. Yeah, the Rakatan Infinite Empire. Yeah. um so they were involved with that but, but a lot of that the, knowledge the, is lost they light. didn't have the stargates so that was the qua yeah but the rakata used them and then eventually yes well yeah a different episode After. for a different time <laughs> anyways um they the sith were at war with the rakata the rakata, right, rakata yes. did subvert them so they were in the past but all yeah. this is forgotten like yeah that, at that this was... point the new republic doesn't even remember that the rakata existed yeah and they're just a vague well,
0: what would the, what would that have been like 15,000 years prior to this? Or? I'm terrible with numbers. Yeah, I can't remember. But it was a
2: long time. Long enough that, like, yeah. it's completely forgotten. Yeah, yeah. And the Sith now exists kind of unknown to the Republic, to the Jedi. I'm talking the species. Yeah. Uh, and this is what the Dark Jedi stumble across. And then they rule over these Sith. They institute what is the known as the Old Sith Empire from the perspective of the far future. Yeah.
0: Now the Sith were actually like um the the Sith species had a proclivity towards the dark side. Yeah. And uh they they had like magic what they called magic, but it was just like that they the used force. the dark yeah, the Force, uh yeah. mostly the dark side of the Force. They it didn't seem that they were like super powerful in it and they had never really encountered um like they had encountered the Rakata like millennia before, but yeah uh when like a paul and his people came they were like head and shoulders Yeah and
2: that's why of, they were almost like gods. To, yeah so yeah.
0: they were able to present themselves as like de- deities uh, you know to them because they were so powerful yeah. in the force compared to to the uh, what their the Sith. I- experiences
2: yeah. were with them. Yeah exactly.
0: And this gave them like an in to to sort of establish themselves Yeah and
2: you, a, usurp the existing king and social structure and yeah. just insert themselves at the very top of the
0: pyramid. Yeah, you also got to remember, like the the Sith species was relatively primitive, like compared to to most other yeah. spacefaring species. So, yeah, it, it was. It seemed like it wasn't that difficult to do. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, ultimately, they they became the Agent Paul became the the new Sith Lord, Lord yeah. over the Sith, the King of the Sith, if you will, and and that's where the Dark Lords of the Sith came from.
2: Exactly. <laughs> And the golden and the beginning of the golden age of the Sith, yes. Yeah. So, Agent Paul kind of unites the Sith, they b- start conquering other worlds like Zyost. They actually move the capital to the planet of Zyost, yeah. Um, and his Kadra, I believe it's 12, yeah, there's Sith Lords, 12, who yeah, are it, the he, first.
0: It is also, um, it's kind of funny because it's like, uh, there was twelve disciples, and they were oh, exiled. Oh, I never, yeah, I they never, were exiled uh, out of the, the Jedi so space. So the Sith are Christian Christians <laughs> yeah. of, of Star I was Wars. It's like, oh my uh, god. dark Hebrews or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some Kabbalah in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I never thought of that. Um, yeah,
0: I, when I was reading that, I that's immediately, immediately my what mind. I thought I was like, oh, it's I see what that. they're trying to do here.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, does a gentle ball come back to life after three days? So, not no, that he I, no, he not I don't I think so. I was so. just kidding. Um, he does sort of come back. Um, to well, watch, he links right? his soul. <laughs> so so th- this is a point I was going to make. He
0: does kind of resurrect. Yeah. <laughs> of
2: the 12 dark Jedi now Sith Lords, the first Sith Lords, most of them, their names pop up later on yeah. in other stories and other um, even disassociated texts from this. Um, so you'll have Paul's spirit Still exists, it will be encountered later in the future. Um, the amulet of Karnesh, Karnesh Muir will come up again and his soul will come back. Yeah. Um, Jojan, I believe, is involved, her spirit will come back. So, a lot of these early Sith Lords, and that's kind of linked to one, their own practice of wanting to extend their lives, but lacking the ability to actually achieve immortality. The next best thing is to bind their soul to a physical object, yeah. either their tomb or an artifact. And in that way, they achieve a semblance of immortality, um, which also is totally absent. Kind of jumping back to the first Great Schism, is not necessarily what uh, Zendor was pursuing. Yeah, no. Um, this aspect really comes up, and this whole Sith philosophy of like self-preservation I, and I extension do th- of life.
0: I, I think, and I, I probably should read like more of the source material, but. To me, I think, like, unlike Zendor, who still viewed himself more as a Jedi, Agenta Paul and his disciples viewed themselves as something, like, entirely New. different, yeah. right? Like, And they it really integrated the Sith species and culture into their... Like practice, yeah. Right? Like it, which it's they, like they would no have adopted long...
2: their practices and philosophies too. Yeah, that's
0: right. Uh, and it's like we're no longer Jedi, even though obviously they learned the Force from the Jedi. From the Jedi. Yeah. Like they're like we're no longer Jedi. Yeah. Like we're something completely Else. different. Right? We're the we're the Sith. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I think this is. That the, like this was like a real point of demarcation in, in sort of like the philosophy of, of the yeah,
2: Sith. and this is where even the Sith code gets written by sort of right. sin yeah. right yeah, um, which is even like antithetical to the Jedi code right yeah. on purpose. That's yeah, how they it's wrote antagonistic it.
0: to yeah. to the Jedi yeah,
2: and and all all these exiled Jedi I should refer to them now as Sith yeah, um, they still have that grudge they hate the Jedi now That's and they right, will. Yeah. That hatred will pretty much endure for the remainder of the Sith, Sith's existence as a, as a religious tradition.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but anyways, they essentially carve out their own niche empire in the darker reaches of the galaxy, completely unknown to the Jedi, unknown to the Republic. Um, they enslave and capture other worlds, other species they adopt. Um, using their Sith magics, they're able to interbreed with the Sith species. And this happens over thousands of years, so they're and they were also
0: like super into um, one thing. It seemed like became a real mainstay of what they did was um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, imbuing objects
2: with the force. Yeah, uh, that
0: that was like something. It's they, a very
2: strong theme. Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: yeah like. Uh, whereas i don't know that i really read that with the dark jedi that they really did anything like that kind no of, uh, the, they lean heavily on on the alchemical yeah, aspects that,
2: yeah. of of the sith tradition which is is the whole reason that they broke off from the jedi to begin with yeah so it makes sense that that's kind of their major focus on what they continue to do they keep messing with biology they keep messing with like matter and yeah. the what's the word when you transmute transmuting matter and life and energy like yeah practicing a form of magic essentially and again that comes from the pursuit of trying to manipulate life and also trying to extend life yeah um yes and that's again that comes back to the sith yeah uh but also even the
0: sith the the sith species species themselves were yeah they were quite into um uh just objects, you know, like having a special staff or Symbols, a special uh, yeah, symbolic weapons and armor, right? Yeah. Like they were really into that. So that
2: you kind of see these two things. They like, synergize. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So which it makes their
2: distinctiveness from the Jedi that much stronger. Yeah. 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 And so essentially this is the beginning of the golden age of the Sith, which lasts for a few thousand years before they come back into contact yeah. with the republic again. And when they do, they've had enough time to coalesce into this completely new belief and system and people, um, which is predominantly now the Sith species, just because they outnumbered their original um, dark Jedi overlords. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just trying to demarcate the Sith from the (laughs) Sith now. Um, But you do have that distinction now of pure bloods versus mixed bloods because they they would have had some kind of alteration or interbreeding with the they're not all humans, the Dark Jedi exiles, but a lot of them are he- either human or near human. Yeah, they look yeah, pretty close. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, uh, I th- I'm guessing, yeah, by the Sith species itself was like starting to change. Um, yeah, and
2: you'll see, you can even see in like images of them, they have really strong traits early on, like very pronounced um, I don't know what you call them, like yeah. skin tentacles yeah, from yeah, their yeah. face, really strong bony pr- protrusions. Then you can see like the mixed hybrid ones have like a lot yeah good softer yeah. features, more human looking features. Yeah. They still have the distinctive like little nubs or like smaller tentacles, but and, and be- their skin tones also are not as deep red.
0: So I I don't I, I was trying to read I was trying to find something on this and maybe if someone has like read some of the source material. Um but I I wasn't quite clear were they breeding with one another or they were doing this through like sorcery. They were hot hi- making hybrids. Through, I don't know. Like, yeah, Sith I don't know sorcery.
2: if they're they kind of leave it vague. Yeah, on purpose. To me,
0: it seemed like a, a, when I was reading, it seemed like it was the the hybrids were made through Sith sorcery. sorcery there, yeah. it wasn't actually like interbreeding. Like uh, perhaps the hybrids themselves started breeding, interbreeding, but the uh, original hybrids were like being created, created. somehow. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I I think both. Yeah, <laughs> the answer is both, both. maybe. Yeah. Um, and then also keeping in mind that the Sith were also conquering other species too. So yeah. what other genetic lineages they That's right, yeah. they bring in and tie into their, their own or if they keep themselves... Because they were somewhat racially supremacist. Yeah. So maybe they didn't and they just kind of... But a lot of that is left vague. There isn't... It just says their empire grew or they conquered other worlds, but it doesn't give a list of yeah. worlds. There's a lot of vagueness around yeah, this era. which... Yeah, there's not a lot of direct stories. A lot yeah. of them are pull in, pulled from like chronological texts. Yeah, and then like characters like Agent Paul is kind of retrofitted. So he actually was created, um, as the head of a cult during like the New Jedi Order period. Yeah. Oh, but then okay. they like retroactively insert the <laughs> character in the past, and then they kind of come up with a backstory and everything there. Okay. So that's what makes it okay. kind of vague because there's no there's no the book of Paul story, right. right? Um, it's just pulling from chronological texts or where he pops up in other lore. Yeah. Uh, or where his spirit is encountered in other, in other games or books. But yeah, that, uh, that history lesson pretty much catches us up to where we want to be for the next episode.
0: Yeah. Next couple episodes, we'll be hanging around this era and hanging era, around Korriban.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so lots of interesting <laughs> tombs If we want to go tomb writing, yeah, exactly. We'll find some, Artifacts or treasures, maybe find something with a soul bound to it. Yeah. <laughs> it can teach us some dark arts.
0: Yeah, be careful. You don't want to get, if you go too much off the beaten path, you'll get mauled by a Tarantatic. <laughs>
2: Tarantatek. Yeah. <laughs> all right All right. Well, I think we'll leave it here. Peace.